listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode... 200 and what is this 70? 70 yep cool and speaking of 270 everybody if you listen to the last episode which was episode 269 and it sounded familiar almost like it was episode 267 it was we had a te- blueberry yeah we had a technical problem so what you need to do if the episode is already downloaded to your device you need to delete it and re-download it and you should be able to hear that episode all bright and sparkly fresh yeah, way better than this sounds because I'm just getting over COVID. So yeah, so Paige, hmm. you made it three years without catching COVID. <laughs> I think it's only been like two and, a half, <laughs> two and a half. But yeah, you finally caught it, and you had it. You were you were down and out for a while. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm still feeling it. I'm a like for instance, this is going to take me a, a a little bit of energy to read because I'm still kind of out of breath. But yeah, this uh, strain everybody's catching. I I think I checked Facebook this morning, and I have three more friends that have caught this. B, what, A or B4A or 5A or whatever. I just appreciate you being a trooper. And and for our audience's sake, you got up and you got on the microphone so we can make sure we do our first Friday Q&A. Hope I don't sound like a dude. You never sound like a dude. But you know who does sound like a dude? <laughs> the Shell Unikitty. What? You heard me? <laughs> Shell Unikitty. Which you would think was a woman, but it's a guy. I just don't know who it is. Maybe he likes cats. He's, um, I'd have to ask him. He's anonymous on Twitter. He also puts together some really cool music. So this is, we'll put the links in the show note, people. We actually can't play it because I'm afraid it's going to flag Apple for copyright infringement, quite frankly. But we'll put the link in the show notes. It's a country tune about people that are living and working in the shell plays. Oh, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was really well done. So we'll put a link to both the, the song so you can listen to it yourself and also to uh, Shell Unikitty's uh, Twitter if you want to uh, follow him. Just, you know, just genius. And he's, I know for a fact he's an engineer, but just the fact that he put a song together for free, you know, to, to get his message out there, I just think it's really cool. So a big shout out to Shell Unikitty. People, the links are in the show notes. You know what else is probably in the show notes? What? Our reviews. I don't think they're in the show notes. <laughs> I think they're in Apple reviews. Uh, well, you can on. see them there too. You want me to read it? Yeah. Scroll no further. This is the best. Okay. That's my All right. Voice. Okay. No. All right. That's enough. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> if this is what how this is going to go, I quit. <laughs> the original and by far the best oil and gas podcast out there. Mark and Paige do a great job of educating the listener in an entertaining and thought-provoking way. The entire OGG and suite of shows are good, but this one is by far my favorite. Nobody, and I mean nobody, even comes close. Just check out their numbers of downloads and reviews, and you'll see what I mean. Keep up the amazing work, guys. Crypto from Midland. Hey, Crypto from Midland, thank you for the five-star review. And if you'd like to get a shout-out like Crypto from Midland, leave us a review. Happy to read it on the air. All Even right. if it's not a five-star, we'll yeah. still read them all. Well, yeah, of course. And it's First Friday Q&A, so we're going to read your questions, and hopefully Mark has some answers. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, as always, first one is from Ludwig. His question is, I'm listening to Business Matters and is basically solar and wind overperforming and keeping the grid alive. I would say you could export to Mexico. I do think it is good not to integrate the Texas grid into 
that of the USA. Likely it would black out every quarter or so. <laughs> you know, Paige, it's a darn shame that a blind person in the Netherlands understands that why Texas shouldn't connect itself to the rest of the grid in the U.S. But what he's talking about is that he knows that when when everything is peak, our solar and wind outperform, so we produce more solar and wind electricity we can use. And he thinks the best thing for us to do is sell it to Mexico, not to the rest of the USA. I actually think that's a great idea. I don't know if there's laws against that, but hey, ERCOC, if you're listening to this, and I know some of y'all do, y'all might want to consider that. I think that's a great idea. All right, so... The next one is from, I'm sorry in advance, I'm going to screw up a lot of people's names. My brain's not working right. Sue C. Hi, I recently started listening to the Only Guest This Week podcast and I absolutely love it. Just for clarification, I was listening to the podcast this morning, June 10th, and Mark mentioned about the elections in Brazil being on spring 2023, but the elections in Brazil will be happening fall 2022, more specifically October 2022 and not next year unless he was referring to some other type of election hope this helps again loving the podcast and, and it makes my life much easier with keeping up with the news see you bon dia, or bon probably by now so i was wrong he's right okay. <laughs> i went and looked it up well that was I had easy it, had it mixed up in my head when their elections were so thank you very much for reaching out and correcting me and by the way audience Anytime either one of us makes a mistake, Paige or I, let us know so we can correct it. This is not about anybody being right or anybody being an expert. This is about educating the audiences and it's stuff like this that keeps us on track. So sincerely, I appreciate this. I'm never wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. Don't come for me. I'm already in a lot of (laughs) turmoil as it is with this mess. So, yeah. All right. So uh, the next one is from Jude Masoki. Hi, OGGM. I am Jude Misoki from Uganda, East Africa, working at the Total Energies Tlinga project. I love and follow your podcast online. I kindly consider two requests. Number one, opening an OGGN office in Uganda to boost global and oil and gas energy knowledge and awareness in Africa. We don't even have an office here. <laughs> so number two, Establish and mobilize for an international exchange program for young and old professionals to travel to and from Africa on short immersion experiences to strengthen global energy collaboration for OGGN followers. So the office in Uganda, I'm sorry, is not going to happen unless y'all want to fund it. If the government of Uganda wants to fund it, OGGN would love to actually be there. We actually already have a happy hour in, in Tanzania that we've never been to, which is a long story. But, you know, I like the idea of an exchange program for both young and, and old professionals in oil and gas to move around the globe and learn not only the different techniques and processes that are used in the oil and gas entry, but the different cultures. That would be an awesome thing to do. I think the visa problem would, would probably limit this from happening, but I think it's a fantastic idea. And Jude, I have your email address. I'm going to reach out to you separately via email and just have a conversation with you because I'd like to explore this a little bit further. But I'm just letting you know now, unless somebody else funds it, I don't think an office, an OGN office in Uganda is going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. All right. The next one is from John Daly, VP of sales at Helix. Hey, guys, love your show. A few episodes ago, you had someone do a poor job of trolling you. (laughs) And that's when I found out about Mark being known as oil and gas sales expert. What's the history behind that? And is Mark helping companies sell their products or service? Oh, and Paige, you do the beauty blog thing. I would love for my daughters to learn from you instead of these other social media types who have never put out put on a pair of steel toes. <laughs> it's time for you to open the next door. Ooh, good for you, John. Pulling my line on me. Yeah, and audience, if you don't know why that's really cool, that means he must listen to Paige's show. That's how she closes out all her, her shows. 
So all gas sales experts, so I'm trying to give the short version of this. My first company, which is now close to 15 years old, is ModalPoint, ModalPoint.com. And it's a market research company focused on the oil and gas industry. And basically, we help companies sell their product or service to the oil and gas industry. Our clients fall into two buckets. One is companies that have never sold to oil and gas, and so they have such a steep learning curve that it makes sense for them to work with us. Or companies that have sold to oil and gas, but are known for something else or have a new product to launch, right? So you take somebody like Technip FMC. The whole world knows that they're a masters of the subsea world. A lot of people know how strong they are on surface, so they would make a good modal point client, right? We could bring their surface offerings to the market. So modal point is still out there running strong. Michael O'Sullivan runs that with a little bit of help from me. So yes, modal point's still doing that work. If anybody out there needs some help selling to oil gas, just go to modalpoint.com and, and, and hit the contact us page and fill out the form. And I still am involved, although I'm a bit of a hands hands. I'm not as involved as I was ten years ago, but I'm still part of that. That's we still own that company. Actually, Modal Point is the parent company of OGGN. All right, all right. So the next one is from Taylor Williams, regulatory specialist at Devon. Hey, what's up, my people? Paige, what's the real deal behind the Biden administration's new five-year plan for offshore oil and gas? And a huge fan of the show. Keep it up, guys. Oh man. All right. So we kind of covered this a little bit, and I think the last. Last episode we pushed out, right, Mark? Or maybe the one before that. I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah. It's kind of a blur. But, I mean, the proposed plan includes, like, <laughs> 0 to 11 possible sales in the in GOM. Let, let me stop you right there. Can you be any more vague than 0 to 11, I'm, I'm 11 t- possible <laughs> I sales? I know. I know. I know. Which, I mean, you know, it's probably going to be 0. Right. Which is why it was even mentioned. But anyway. And the one uh, in Cook Inlet off the coast of it. Alaska. So those are the two areas. It basically mirrors the recently expired five-year offshore drilling plan put forward by the Obama administration, but it's a it's much more narrow than the one proposed in 2018 by the Trump administration, which offer uh, acreage off of the Atlantic and Pacific as well. I mean, he's already pissed off all the environmentalists anyway. You know, I I didn't remember him offering it to the Pacific. I remember being the Atlantic and Alaska and the Gulf of Mexico. It was probably the stuff over there by where that huge oil spill was. Because there's a bunch of platforms in by Beta Offshore out there. Okay. So, I mean, it's the possibility. You know, because, I mean, a sidetrack could be, I don't know. Anyway, like I said, he's already pissed off all the environmentalists. And with the auction of onshore leases and... Colorado, Montana, Nevada, New Mexico, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Utah, and Wyoming drawing bids of $22 million from energy companies seeking drilling rights on about 110 square miles of public land. So, I mean, it's really up in the air. Who knows what he's going to do? I mean, the last I was watching the news before we got on here, and I mean, he's about to declare some kind of executive order on climate change so yeah it's wednesday july 20th and we're right around the corner is it looks like he biden administration is going to use executive privilege to declare a climate emergency so more to come on that i'm sure oh yeah yeah so we'll be covering that shortly all right so uh next question is from deborah walker marketing director at shawcore i love the way you two look at oil and gas conferences and trade shows as I agree, they don't deliver the same value as they used to, but still can be useful. Two questions around this. How do you convince upper management to not invest resources in a trade show just because historically we have always exhibited? Number two, has OGGN ever considered doing a trade show? I bet it would be the best oil and gas show in the history of the industry. Also love the new website colors. So, uh, Deborah, a couple of things. So how to convince upper management not to invest resources? 
you know, this is probably the 50th time I've heard this question. I, I mean, it's really, it's kind of sad. It's, you know, what happens is executives say, well, we've always been to OTC, so we have to keep going because our competitors will be there. That's not true. Years ago, you actually made money by exhibiting OTC, right? Now you don't. And I'm not picking on OTC. I'm picking on all the big international trade conferences. So a couple of ideas. First one is probably one you wouldn't expect me to say. If it's your entire upper management team and they're set on doing the conference, look for another job. There's no way you could change everybody's mind, right? Yeah. The other thing, though, that if it's not everybody, show them the results. Show them how much money you spend exhibiting at the conference and then show them how much revenue that generates. And then do something like a, a content campaign or a pay-per-click campaign or maybe a you know smaller event and show them how much money you spend on that and then, then look at the return on investment that way. No matter what, the senior leadership of, a, of all companies are worried about sales and worried about revenue. If you can show them that you're generating less sales by spending more revenue on these large trade shows, it has to make sense to them. And has OG ever considered doing a trade show? Uh, it's, it's, I well, feel like guess uh, what, Deborah? Oh my God! It's like <laughs> someone set him up for a segue, y'all. <laughs> we are this January. We're doing a trade show, our very first one. It's going to be in Pasadena. It's going to be around business continuity. The audience is predominantly downstream, so petrochemical, fuel refining, ethylene crackers. But we're also inviting the renewable people and literally everybody in the oil and gas industry that is concerned about keeping their people safe and their operations running when some type of disaster happens. It's going to be a different trade show than any kind. I personally and the trade show team also hates the pay-to-play model where you think you're going to listen and learn from a speaker. And what he's really trying to do is sell you what his company's done because he's paid the trade show to be able to speak. We're not going to do that at all. Our actual exhibitors are going to be the experts that are going to do a lot of the presentations, but they're going to be very short and very quick. And then earlier, talk about Modal Point. Modal Point's actually going to do some training for the exhibitors to make sure they do not try to sell anything. This conference is a place for people to learn and network, and that's it. We don't want any sales. The sales should naturally follow because we have a large audience that's interested in exactly what the exhibitors are doing. And Paige, we have some cool cool companies already signed up for it. That's good. So Tide. The laundry detergent company, they're bringing their mobile uh, laundry facilities that they bring when there's like a hurricane or something so people can wash clothes. We have HPE is going to be there. We have uh, Technique FMC is going to be there. So if I bring a load of clothes, are they going to do them? Yeah, probably. I mean, it's, so it should, <laughs> because that is, I hate doing clothes more than anything. <laughs> so it should be a lot of fun. The website should be up shortly. Just watch our social media. We're limiting it to a hundred exhibitors. I think it's fifty five hundred dollars a pop to be an exhibitor. So if you're interested, especially if you want to get your company in front of the downstream part of the industry, look out for that. The website, like I said, should go live pretty soon. And we've already had a, a big interest in just people that we've socialized this with. So I suspect that it's good to sell out. So stay tuned. All right. So next one's from Corey A. Bear, director of HR at Weir. By far, this is the most valuable podcast in my pay, uh, playlist. I want to personally thank both of you and your team for the work and dedication in producing this show. The industry needed you for decades. Love that you are here making a difference. Never in a million years did I think I would ever hear about real HR issues on a podcast, but I relate to each and every one of them, so thank you. Have you ever thought about launching a new podcast focusing on HR issues in our industry? And Paige, do I sometimes hear Mark getting choked up when he's talking about something important to him. Absolutely. And it could be the smallest thing. And he he's so passionate about it. So that's very real. Very real. I used to work with a bunch of engineers that used to call me HR's nightmare. So I'm not going <laughs> to say anything further on this. This is all you, Mark. <laughs> yeah. I like how you keep it turning to the right. Yeah. 
Yeah, so Corey, the HR podcast is interesting. If you want to reach out to me, actually, you know what? I'll shoot, I got your emails. I'll shoot you a note, talk to you about it. It's not high on our list. So, one of the things, audiences, that you may not know is that because you're so large, our audiences, I mean, we're in 100, we moved up Patreon, 198 different countries now. We just about own the planet and we hit 3 million downloads. I wouldn't say own anything. We're, we're, We're literally in every country there is except one. And it's like Antarctica, some countries are outside of Antarctica. So, whatever that country is, I'll find out. We need to find out the one person that lives there and make sure he listens to the show so we then own the planet. But anyway, one of the things is, Every day, people from around the world reach out to us, and actually, it goes straight to me. And, and they go, "So, hey, Mark, can you do a podcast on oil and gas pipelines, or oil and gas finance, or through tubing services, or hydrogen?" Right now, actually, folks, I'll give you a secret: hydrogen is our number one most requested new show. We keep track of the top twenty of those shows because we know there's an audience waiting, and that's how we launch new shows. We know there's a demand, and people want to know about that subject. And Corey, unfortunately, HR isn't on that top twenty list. But like I said, I'll shoot you an email. We'll have a discussion. And it may be core that we could, this may, the HR part may work into some of our future shows. We have an HR component in that. So, but like I said, I'll reach out to you. We'll have a discussion. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And Paige is right. I, I, you know, we talk about something that's important to me. I do get choked up. Yep. All right. So the next one is from Anonymous. I'm in my first year of working for a super major after graduating from A&M last year, and I'm scared to death. I had to take some student loans to graduate and was blessed to land a good job rather quickly. But my family, friends, and seem like the entire world is convinced that oil and gas is dying business and will soon disappear. No, no, not at all. I'm worried that I won't have a job somewhere in the future, but I don't want to go back and get another degree. How long do you think the business of oil and gas will be around forever? Love your show and your willingness to always help. So first thing, Anonymous, it's not for you to worry about at all. Nope. In fact, like I've said for a while, like I said in my predictions, we're the oil and gas industry, even though I think we're headed toward a recession, and I hope and pray that it, I'm wrong about that, the oil and gas industry is on a 10-year bull run. It's going to be strong. It's going to be hot and heavy, and it will never, ever disappear. Matter of fact, it, it won't ever slow down. If you're like me and you believe that space travel is important to the future of mankind, the only fuel that has enough energy density exactly. to alpha gravity well is hydrocarbons, right? So SpaceX right now runs uh, kerosene and liquid oxygen. Kerosene, of course, is, comes from crude oil. And then their next generation of rocket engines are running methane and liquid oxygen. Methane, of course, is natural gas. So there's nothing for you to worry about. I get that you're scared. There's so much negative talk about our industry and our industry disappearing, about the client, about the earth burning up in the next three weeks. But all of that is just- It feels like it. Yeah. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, all, yeah, it does. It's hot outside. <laughs> but, but none of that is true. So there's nothing for you to worry about. I will tell you this much. It says that you're a mechanical engineer. You're in a really good place. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, because you can dodge around the industry. And, and so typically what happens, forget COVID, because that was a one-off from hell. But typically what happens as we go through our, our every decade cycle is when upstream has a hit and the price of crude you know, hits rock bottom, what happens is downstream then's on fire. So if you're able to move around the industry, you'll always have a good high-paying job. So as a mechanical engineer, it doesn't say – what you do at BP, but you know, let's say right now you're working in the upstream side of BP. Look internally because BP owns refineries, and look and see if there's positions in the refineries. I'm not telling you to get another job inside of BP. Go make friends with those people. Go talk to them. Learn their day to day. Or if you are in the downstream side of BP, do the same to their exploration and production, their upstream part of the business. Reach out, see who's doing that work, make friends over there, and and you're gonna have a long, very successful career. And I promise, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> See, I told you. He gets I promise you, the bottom of my heart, there's nothing for you to worry about. You're in a good place. 
Yeah, told you he gets choked up for real, for real. All right, so uh, the next one is from Concerned American. A little while ago, President Biden tweeted, My message to the companies running gas stations and setting prices at the pump is simple. This is a time of war and global peril. Bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you're paying for the product and do it now. And the next day, prices dropped in my part of the country. Can you explain how this worked? That's so. That's such a scam. Yeah, it, it was. It was a scam, quite frankly. And I hate to say that the leader of our country ran a scam, or his his people did. What happened was there's a lot of data that's collected literally on a daily basis that's put together in reports by a lot of organizations, including the EIA. And what happens with those reports, investors, bankers, traders use this because you can predict what the price of, of things like the crack spread is or what WTI is going for or the, or the price of retail gasoline. So what happened was the price of retail gasoline was going to decrease anyway across the country because of a bunch of factors. The report mysteriously was not released on time. Huh. Our president tweeted this quote and then surprise, surprise, gasoline went down. Gasoline was going to go down anyway, whether he tweeted this or not. And I just, you know. I, He's just I, trying to fix that approval rating, which is, you know, still like, I don't know, 45, 35%. The worst in, in the ever. Of all U.S. presidents. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and, 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 you know, I have, I'm not saying that anybody did that on purpose, <laughs> that the report was delayed on purpose. I find it very suspicious, but that's what happened. The, the gasoline prices were going to go down no matter what he said. The report to let everybody know that it was going to go down was delayed until after he tweeted this and he tweeted it and then prices went down. Yeah. So we have. I wonder if Jimmy Carter's ever going to run again. Uh, he's, <laughs> that's he's a joke. Why? Well, I'm just saying yeah. <laughs> he'd, he'd be better at this than current. So, Paige, let's wind this show out with a few bits of history. We did this a while back, and I've had probably a dozen or so people thought this was really cool. So, July, you want to read these? You want me to do it? No, you can read it. So, in July 19th, 1950, petroleum-powered washing machines and lawnmowers were invented. Can you imagine pull starting your washing machine? I, <laughs> I, can't, I can't pull start a mower, man, <laughs> much less a washing machine. And... It was a guy named Howard Snyder that got hired by Maytag, and he applied his patent for the internal combustion engine to the washing machine, and the internal combustion in the washing machine was born. Imagine having an exhaust and a muffler on your washing machine. But still, before that, people were using that washboard thing, so it had to be a huge breakthrough. July 19th, 1957, major oil discovery in Alaska. Up until that time, nobody thought there was oil in Alaska. Now they're one of the biggest producers of conventional <laughs> reservoirs in the world. And the U.S. bought that for Russia for pennies on the dollar because Russia thought it was worthless. Ha ha, jokes on them. Yeah. Uh, oh, here's a good one. July 20th, 1920. The first discovery of oil in the Permian Basin. Nice. Yeah. It's a wildcat. Everybody said he was Happy crazy. Happy birthday. Yeah. He drilled uh, <laughs> 2,750 feet, owned by the Texas Pacific Land Trust, and uh, struck oil. Oh, here's a good one. Then once the, the, the well started declining, they decided they would drop nitroglycerin down the well which is also the first fracturing, although it wasn't a horizontal well. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine dropping nitroglycerin down a productive well? No. You know how dangerous that was? There was Obviously, there was no like safety manager back yeah. then. Yeah. <laughs> it's like drop it and run. <laughs> and then here's another one. July 21st, Diamond Glenn McCarthy strikes all, guess where? Hmm. Houston, Texas. Oh, really? Yeah, 1935. That's not bad. Oh, and we're going to end with this one because this is really cool. July 20th, 1933. Phillips Petroleum sponsors the first solo flight around the world. Oh, that's they so cool. History. Yep. That's neat. Yep. So there's a bit of history to end the, the first Friday Q&A. 
if you're in the Houston area and you want a cool place to go work, a co-working place, probably the best one I've ever seen, you know, go check out the Canon, walk up to the front desk and very politely say that you are with OGGN and they will give you a free day pass, no questions asked, a weekly rig count page. Where are we? It's pretty good standing. United States is at 756. We're up four. Canada is at 191, up 16. Good for the Canadians. 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 <laughs> Internationally, we're up seven at 824. Perfect. Also, perfect is joining our LinkedIn page. Just go to LinkedIn, find OGGN, sign up for the page. That you'll be notified about everything, including our mixers, which we have one next week. Which, by the way, people, for the first time ever, and a big shout out to Technique FMC. Technique FMC page is paying for everybody's ticket for our mixer. Oh, that's awesome. Isn't that awesome? So it's free. And we're still going to donate money to charity like we always do to help a Red M fight human sex trafficking. So next week, Thursday, it's the 28th. You have no excuse, even if, if, because it's absolutely free. We'll put a link in the show notes. But if not, go to LinkedIn, go to the OGGN page. You can find the link there. Go ahead and sign up. It's going to be a really great time. We have a live podcast. And then, like I said, our friends at Technique FRC are paying for your ticket. So hats off to them That's for doing awesome. something really cool. Thanks, yeah. Technique. Yeah. And then while you're online, go to the website, uh, sign up. Check out our new colors. Check out our new colors. And then that's also the place where you can ask a question. And then if you're interested in oil and gas events, uh, there's a link in there for our monthly email newsletter. It's totally free. We put all the oil and gas events in your inbox once a month. And then if you're like myself or any of our experts, come to your event and speak, do a keynote presentation, live podcast, let us know. Paige, we have so many conferences in the next year that we're doing that we're doing live podcasts at. More to come about that, but it's going to be really That cool. makes me tired. <laughs> Poor Paige, she's not feeling good. All right, since you're not feeling good and since we're over with the show, you ready to get out of here? Mm-hmm. Remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.